Welcome to this year-end edition of Salt and Light Radio. I'm Pedro Guevara Man. We've been at this for a year now, and it's time to do a year recap. Well, maybe not exactly a year recap, but we thought we'd play some of our favorite interviews from the past year. One of the trademarks of Salt and Light Radio is the opening commentary, and perhaps one of the most memorable ones is this one from the second show we ever did, which aired on my birthday, January 31st, when all we had in mind was Obama, Obama, Obama. Many welcome a U.S. president who may make the United States a bit more like Canada. Seriously, think about it. Bringing in a more Canadian-style healthcare, a more Canadian-style foreign policy, making friends with the Arab world, closing Guantanamo Bay. See, it's all very Canadian. It's good stuff, but not everyone is happy. The change Mr. Obama has promised already included lifting the ban on American aid to organizations that perform or promote abortions in the third world. He also has promised to sign the new Freedom of Choice Act, which will remove all limitations to abortion across the country. Parents would no longer need to give consent for their teenage daughters to have abortions. They won't even have to know. Partial birth abortion would come back, and the victims of unborn violence and the Born Alive Acts would be struck down. Perhaps it's true. In more ways than one, the United States of America under President Obama will look a lot like Canada. I'm Pedro Guevara Man, and this is Salt and Light Radio. Okay, we don't need to listen to all the music every time. Now we jump to April 4th, on the 4th anniversary of the death of Pope John Paul II, we did a special program remembering JP II. So here is a conversation I had with Father Thomas Rosica, former director of World Youth Day 2002 and CEO of Salt and Light Catholic Media Foundation and my boss, about the legacy of Pope John Paul II. Hello, Father Tom. Hi, Pedro. How are you? I'm good. Thank you. Father, you had the chance to meet John Paul II uh, several times. Now, what, do, right. what, what do you remember most about him? What is the, the one thing that really sticks out from meeting him in person? You know, each time we get around the time of the anniversary, as we are right now, what stands out is the the towering figure that he was, not just for Catholics and Christians, but for the whole world. One of the most striking things was his love for young people, right. and the way that he always made a place for young people in his life, in his ministry, as priest, as Carol Wojtyla, and then as bishop, and then as pope, as the Bishop of Rome. Right. Now, um... I'm not. I'm not trying to date you, but you were a young man when uh, he was elected pope. Uh, were you already in the seminary, or not quite yet? I was in the university. In fact, it was 1978. I remember that October evening. I was driving home, second year university in Rochester, New York, and the habemus papam. You know, so we sped home. Yes. We had just been through the previous month of all of that uncertainty after the death of Paul VI and right. the election and death of John Paul I. And I remember being amazed watching this non-Italian come out on the balcony and hearing that booming voice, they called a man from a distant country. Uh And I I was convinced at that moment something was changing with the whole picture. Something was changing with the way he spoke to the public, to the media. Uh, We had a young pope. So shortly after that, you did enter the seminary. How did his papacy influence your vocation and, and ultimately your priesthood? Well, he was really the Pope of my whole formation. I do remember Pope Paul VI growing up in in part of my university, but it was John Paul II and his teaching that really marked what we were studying, what we were doing, and I think it was his connection to the world, that the Church was not just serving itself, but it was serving the world. 
And he raised the bar in terms of bringing people's knowledge to big world issues. There was communism, which was one of the big threats that he was dealing with. Right. He dealt with the nuclear issues. The, the attempt on his life in 1981 really moved me. I was teaching at that point as a postulant in France. Okay. And I remember seeing it from that perspective and, and wondering, what on earth is happening here? This is a man of peace, and people tried to kill him. Uh-huh. And then how he pulled through all of that. He stood up to things he was not afraid. I think his voice, be not afraid, his, his words, don't be afraid, you know, stand up and take courage. We're quite striking. Yeah. Um, just a note for anyone that might be joining the program at this at this time. You're listening to Salt and Light Radio. Uh, I'm Pedro Guevara Man, and we're remembering Pope John Paul II with uh, Salt and Light CEO Father Thomas Rosica. I'm glad you mentioned that phrase, be not afraid, Father Tom, because um, there are hundreds of other phrases that we remember him saying, lots of quotes, be not afraid, probably being the, the most well-known. What are some other things that you remember that, that he said or what, what stands out for you most about his teachings? Well, one of the things that he developed was this whole phenomenon called World Youth Days, which right. above and beyond the big rallies of gathering together millions of young people, it was a very big response to the solitude and loneliness that young people are living in many parts of the world. Mm-hmm. And he used those as a primary school of evangelization, of teaching, and as a bold witness to a world that often excludes God. And I think we still have a lot to learn in mining the depths of the World Youth Days, the catechetical method, the introduction of young people to the scriptures, the presence of the pastors of the church, the bishops at those events. And that was one thing. Another thing for which he will be remembered, for which I'm very grateful to him, is his whole outreach to the Jewish people. Right. The image of him at the Western Wall and that historic visit in March 2000 will remain with me all of my years. Mm-hmm. I had lived in, in Jerusalem, and knowing the significance of that holy place, and seeing a pope go there and ask forgiveness, putting that letter in the wall and, and praying, uh, that was a very powerful symbol. Right. Let me just go back to World Youth Day, since, I mean, you're very, you're, you're very familiar with that event, as, as am I. And I think I heard this from you, Father Tom, that that Pope John Paul II was, had been heard saying that World Youth Days was not so much to evangelize the youth, but to evangelize the bishops. What do you right. think he meant by that? <laughs> That's right. He often said it was for the evangelization and the conversion of young people and of their priests and their bishops. And I think it's a very, very valid point. You know, because it's difficult from the perspective of priest and bishop when you're dealing with administration with some of the heavy issues and difficulties we lose that energy, that enthusiasm, that dynamism. We lose hope. Mm-hmm. And I think World Youth Days brought many priests back to their core. It certainly brought many bishops back to their fundamental role of teachers, teachers of the Word of God, yeah. through those catechesis moments. Uh, it was a brilliant exercise that John Paul II offered to people. He offered a model of how to be a pastor. Right, and it's certainly one of his, his main legacies. Now, if you could find the one thing, what do you think is the legacy of this great Pope? If, if you can find one, maybe two or three. John Paul II was a witness to Jesus Christ, and he was a witness to hope. All of his encyclicals, all of his letters, his homilies, his teaching, he gave witness to hope in a world where despair seemed to be gaining some strength and force. And he told people that they're not alone. He brought the Church on the road to the extremities of the earth. Mm-hmm. It was not just the home office on the Tiber, but he brought the Church into every possible situation through those 104 apostolic trips, those journeys to the various countries. 
And he helped us to understand what it means to be Catholic. It means to be universal in our perspective. Well, it's certainly a, a happy time as we remember his work and his life. Father Tom, thank you so much for sharing your memories of John Paul II with us. Thanks, and God bless you all. Take care. Bye-bye. That was Brazilian priest Father Thomas Rosica, Chief Executive Officer of the Salt and Light Catholic Media Foundation. You're listening to Salt and Light Radio on the Catholic Channel, Sirius 159 and XM 117. Now, we're jumping around a little bit. This is the very first featured artist we had. Our very first show from January 24th, we spoke to singer, songwriter, and mom, Janelle. Many of you will know Janelle as she sang the French verse of the World Youth Day 2002 theme song, Lumière du Monde. Since World Youth Day, though, she has become quite an accomplished singer and songwriter, um, releasing several albums. Her latest, What I Gotta Say. Um, Janelle joins me now on the phone from her home in Radway, Alberta. Hello, Janelle. Hello. How are you, Pedro? I'm, I'm good, but I'm not the one who just had a baby. <laughs> how are you? Yeah, it is kind of huge. We had a January 1st newbie baby. So, yeah, we are very, very excited. His name is Joshua Jacob. And, yeah. Uh, definitely his arrival was highly anticipated because that was due on December 20th. But um, lo and behold, he did come, and he's bringing lots of joy to our lives. Really? So this is your third child? Third, yeah. We have Eric, who's six, Monique, who's 19 months, and then now Josh. Wow. And so your baby and mommy are doing well? You're... Getting enough rest? Yes, slowly adjusting. Three is quite an adjustment, but it's good. You know, I only have two hands, and now I have to grow a third, so it's kind of interesting. <laughs> it is. I know. I know. Eh? Um, you know, I was going to, I mean, we certainly want to talk about the album and about um, uh, your, your music and that, but since we're talking about your family, because that impacts, I mean, certainly your family will impact your ministry, right? Absolutely. So w have you had to cut back a little bit? I mean, your husband, Jason, is mm -hmm. your manager. He's also your bass player. When yeah. you guys go on tour, I remember seeing you on tour and you took Eric with you when he was, you know, three years old, he'd go with you. Now mm -hmm. you have two other little ones. Yes. Well, um, I toured a little bit last spring after I'd had Monique and, um, it went pretty good as long as we were a family. I mean, if Jason was there, I, at least I had another helper. That was no problem. Right. Um, we are planning on going on tour actually at the end of March here oh, really? right away yeah. in a couple of months. And so I have no idea what touring with three kids is going to look like. And to be perfectly honest, I'm kind of scared to death. But <laughs> we have our tour bus and we have a great team. And so I trust that this is what God wills for our lives. And we're just going to, you know, buckle down for the adventure. So it should be good. It, it says something to the people who watch you and listen to you in concert that you're traveling with your family um, well yeah I think I mean I think that's a big part of who I am and you know I want to be real with my audience and I want them to be able to connect with me and my music and um, you know a better way to do that than than to be a family ministry and so um, you know for us that's really important and especially you know myself my primary vocation is obviously motherhood yes. and um, you know I, I really want to you know make sure that I am doing what God wills for me primarily to do. And then, um, you know, I just feel really blessed that I can continue to tour and to do music, even 
I, you know, with, with three kids and, and have my husband, you know, be such a huge part of what we do. And so, yeah, it's a real blessing to be able to kind of have my cake and eat it too. So Exactly. Nice. I know now. Are you planning on having uh, the children on stage with you? Is Eric still doing a little bit of drum with you, drumming with you? That's right. Yeah, Eric's still doing some drumming. And, in fact, we're homeschooling this year, so drumming is becoming a bitter, bigger part of who he is. And so, oh, really? um, yeah, he should be in. My Nick, well, she's turning out to be her own little performer. Uh, she's already doing Skinny Marinky Dinky Dink, you know, those sort of little songs. <laughs> so I don't know if she'll make it to the stage or not. But um, she's uh, definitely going to be, you know, around and uh, it'll be good. That's very good. We've been listening, Janelle, uh, in our program so far to a few of your songs from your new album. Um, Tell us a bit about about this album. I have a sense that there's something different about this album from, from what you've done in the past. Am I right? Absolutely, yes. This is kind of the album that I've been wanting to put out for quite a few years now. And um, in fact, a couple of the songs have been written for five or six years. And um, the the thing that I think sets it apart is um, I had a lot of uh, co-writing done with it. And so, um, you know, it expresses a lot of who I am and what I want, what I want to say to um, my audiences. In the past three or four years, I've had the opportunity to work with um, Challenge Girls Club across North America, as oh, well yeah. as Pure Fashion, which is... Um, basically a fashion show that promotes modesty and purity and i've been able to speak and sing at those events and so Uh um this album is really targeted for you know that type of audience and just really share with them uh my heart about living your faith boldly and not being afraid to um you know to live for christ the 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 title which we just just listened to before you came on what i gotta say um this is very much your brainchild Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. Um, my buddy Mike and I, we wrote this song uh, quite a few years back, and it actually was born out of um, looking at a T-shirt, believe it or not. What happened was I was at a conference, a pro-life conference, uh-huh. and um, there was um, some young people, and they were all wearing these T-shirts. And the T-shirt said, you will not silence my message, you will not mock my God, you will stop killing my generation. And uh-huh. that message really stuck with me, and so when I got home, I was thinking on that, and I thought, you know what, that's really what I want to say. In my spiritual journey at the time, I was kind of in a holy anger phase, if you will, Um, you know, just frustrated that the world was luring so many innocent souls, you know, away from Christ, and I was just like, there's got to be something that we can do, and as Christians, we just really need to live authentically in order to see that come to fruition and to be able to share more boldly with people that have no clue that Christ can offer us you know, that abundant life that he's promised. And so um, what I got to say was started with those three lines. Mike and I just built right around that song. So it was really, really an amazing experience. We wrote it in like 10 minutes flat. Um, We've tweaked it since then, obviously. Uh But it's it's been awesome. Do you yeah. do you find that it's no coincidence that even though you wrote that song several years ago, that it's now is is the right time for it to come out? Well, that's the thing, you know. Um, obviously, it was not the time back then, even if God gave us the song. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I think it's even more relevant now than it even was five or six years ago. And um, I think it's a song. It's a song for this this time in history. It's a song for this generation. And um, so I really want it to be a battle cry. Um, especially for us young people, you know, to be able to really just, um, you know, live by that creed almost, like a declaration sort of thing. Right. We, uh, we've been talking a little bit also on the program already about, uh, you know, we have a new president in the United States, and they're saying that he's going to be the, the most pro-abortion president ever. 
Mm-hmm. Um, is that something, do you, do you sense that this is the, the issue of the times when you go to conferences, the message that you want to give young, young, young people, young women in particular? Mm-hmm. I mean, definitely. A lot of my ministry is with young women, and um, like I said, it's, it's a song for our time. Mm-hmm. And uh, the message really coincides with what's going on in the current events. And I think that's just, you know, a God timing thing. That's just the way some, he works. He's never late, never early, just on time. And so this song, yeah, exactly. um, you know, definitely portrays that for sure. Now, the first first song that we played uh, tonight was uh, I Delight in You. What can you mm-hmm. tell me about that track? Well, I Delight in You um, was, again, written a few years back. And um, it was a song that really came out of the heart of a young girl. Um, I had the opportunity to know several young women along the way and um, after reflecting on my own life and also the lives of these young women that I've been working with so many of us and I mean it doesn't apply just to young women but especially to them um, we just buy into the lies that you know we're not pretty enough we're not skinny enough we're not smart enough we're not this enough you know and the world keeps telling us this through the magazines and the media exactly and just the overall culture and Really, that's just not the truth, because in our very essence of who God created us to be, we are, we are beautiful and worthy and, and, um, and worthy of His love. And so I just wanted this song to really um, just allow these young girls to discover how much Christ really delights in us and how much we're called to delight in Him. So that's where the, the song was born out of. Yeah, and you know what, I, I uh, you know, you read the lyrics, I don't know, when people hear the song, sometimes we miss, we miss the lyrics, but the fact that you, you read the title and you think, I delight in you, meaning I delight in you, Lord, but the fact mm-hmm. that the Lord delights in us mm-hmm. is something that not a lot of people think about, um, definitely. Um, I, I, I completely agree with you. I, I speak to to high school students uh, quite often, and I tell them, you know, the world tells you that you're ugly, you're fat, you're, you're, you're not good enough, you're not smart enough, and we believe it. But mm-hmm. the, the church and Christ tell us that we're beautiful, <laughs> we're made in His image, we're perfect, mm-hmm. and we don't believe it. And is that because we don't feel that way? And what is it about our circumstances that don't, that don't allow us to feel that way? Exactly, and it's, it's just not about our feelings, about the true the true essence of who we are, and that's right in the chorus, it just says the essence, you know, shatters every lie. And that's what, unfortunately, we've bought into so much, is we bought into the lies. But that's not what it's about. We are about um, the truth, and Christ is the truth, and what He tells us we are in His, you know, created in His image, that is the truth. And so, um, you know, that in itself, you know, makes us wonderful. It is so, so true. Would you say, um, since I've known you, what, eight years, nine years now, mm-hmm. that your focus in your ministry has changed? A little bit. I think, um, I'm not so sure it's changed so much as it's just become more focused in yeah. the sense that, you know, now I really know where my heart is. And, um, you know, my heart is definitely with these young girls. And, um, you know, you know, thankfully God's allowed me to have, you know, a broader audience as well. Mm. But my heart is really with these young girls and with these youth and just sharing... You know, over the years, we've shared my husband and I's testimony and, yes. um, you know, our love for Christ and our vocation of marriage. And then um, just basically finding your identity in Christ has been my overall message um, to these young girls through through the different venues that I've had the opportunity to serve in. But, um, yeah, definitely that's been my overall kind of 
heartbeat over my through my ministry for the past few years now. That's exactly uh, the the sense I have from from watching you grow. We're talking to Janelle. Janelle is a, uh, a young singer songwriter from Alberta, here in Canada. Um, you're listening to Salt and Light Radio on the Catholic Channel 159 Sirius and XM 117. Janelle, you. Um, you just uh, earlier mentioned that you're going on tour. So where is this tour going to be? It's actually going to be, um, right now it's going to be a Western Canadian tour, but we, for whatever reason, God seems to be continuing to open doors and people are still calling in um, for us to move a little further east. So I don't know. Yeah. At, at this point, it's a Western Canadian tour, but you just never know with us. <laughs> is it so, gonna, um, when's it going to be? Yeah, it's going to be, um, we're starting March uh 12th, I believe, and um, probably running for a couple of weeks, but I'm not sure exactly. Okay, so um, be sure to let... Check my website. Yeah, and and we'll uh, make sure that we let people know what the website is, Um, but make sure you let us know because we we have an events segment in this show, so we can let people know when you're going to be in their area and when the concerts are going to be, or if it's at a particular conference. Um, so, so that's something that we, we hope to do, a service that we hope to provide, because sometimes people, there are lots of things happening and people don't know what's going on or when or where. Yeah, exactly. Um, exactly. If people are interested in, in uh, uh, bringing you into, a, let's say, a conference as a speaker, you do that as well, right? Yep, absolutely. Absolutely. And so they can just go to my website, Janelle at, or Janelle.cc. Dot .cc. And, um, yeah, definitely contact us, and we'd be happy to see if we can serve you. And you can, I mean, you can certainly speak to, to young women. I know that, that the Challenge Club, for people that don't know what Challenge is, it's a group for young, uh, pre-teenage or teenage uh, um, Catholic yeah, 10 girls? 10 to 16. 10 to 16 um, age. Yes. So, so uh, you're perfect for that audience. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but you're not... Also done a- yeah, I've also done a lot of, like, mother-daughter conventions. Oh, yeah. Um, I've done, you know, women's conventions, that sort of thing. Um, yeah, that's kind of where the places I go to. <laughs> okay, so, yeah, and, and, and not to give the impression to our listeners that you can only talk about, you know, in the context of modesty and purity for young women. I mean, I'm sure you, your testimony, and you can talk about all kinds of uh, powerful things. And, and the music itself uh, stands alone, <laughs> Definitely, I, I'm a witness to that, Janelle. Mm. Um, we are going to play a couple more of your songs, so I'd like to maybe have a chance to, to talk a little bit of that ab- about them. A little bit of light. Mm-hmm. Um, I, 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 every time I see light on a song title, my, my eye goes to it, you know, being here at Salt and Light, and I'm hoping that one day you'll write a song that's called A Little Bit of Salt. so what can you tell us about a little bit of light well a little bit of light was um written for particularly for this album my producer had come up to uh lloyd minster here to write with me and um you know writing is always an interesting thing because it's kind of like going on a blind date if you've never written with the person you're writing with so you know you kind of have to get to know each other and then you know once once you kind of know where God's brought both of you as far as your spiritual journey, then you can write a song together. And so um, basically, Steve and I were like, he's a great piano player and songwriter as well, and mm-hmm. so we were over a cup of coffee, we were just sitting down at the table, and he said, you know, he says, okay, what do you want to write about? And I said, well, I don't know, you know, this is kind of my ideas for the album. And he said, well, he says, what's your journey been like with, with God? And so I just started sharing, and, you know, the theme that just started coming up was, 
God loves to plunge me in the unknown. Yeah. And, you know, sometimes I wish he would just shine a big old spotlight on my path so I would know what the next five years would hold so I could plan better. Um, but it's never been that way. In fact, it's always been Christ who comes up beside me, takes my hand, and in his other hand has this little itty-bitty lamp, mm-hmm. and he just lights one footstep ahead. Time, yeah. You know, nothing more. I don't get to see the big, you know, what's if there's a you know twist or a turn in the path. It's just one step at a time, and yet he's right beside me. That's right. And so I said, you know, I just get a little bit of light. That's all. And he's like, a little bit of light? That's a great title. <laughs> it, <laughs> we it just is. started out with a little bit of light, and he just plunked in the piano. I became the hook. Yeah. And then from there, we just kind of rode around it, and um, it ended up, you know, being a really, a really kind of groovy tune, so it was good. That's great. We're uh, talking to Janelle. Uh, You're listening to Salt and Light Radio on the Catholic Channel. Um, Janelle, so people, just a reminder, if they want to contact you, they go to your website, um, Mm -hmm. www.janelle.cc. That might be a little confusing for some people um, because we're not familiar with CC, but you know what? I figured out what CC stands for. It's easy to remember, and it's, it's, it's if Canadian Catholic... There you How's go. That? That's perfect. So if people have a hard time remembering, just remember Canadian Catholic and it's Janelle.cc. You can get all the information uh, where you're touring, where you're me- where to get your music, if they want to listen to the music, buy the music, buy your products, b- book you for a concert or for a conference. Um, yeah, they can download it off of iTunes or CD Baby as well. So it's pretty easy. That's great. Well, Janelle, um, thank you so much for talking to us. Um, uh, I, I hope that all <laughs> things are going well and that you're getting enough rest before you set out on tour in March. Um, yeah. Say hi to Jason and, and to uh, Eric and Monique and Joshua, Jacob. Welcome to the world, Joshua. Thank you. Um, thanks for talking to us and, and stay in touch and uh, we'll have you on the program again, okay? Sounds good. Looking forward to it. Thanks a lot, Pedro. Okay, so that was Janelle and we will leave you with Janelle's song Little Bit of Light from her new album What I Gotta Say Destiny for
That was Janelle with a little bit of light from the very first Salt and Light radio program from January 24th. If you're joining the program right now, you're listening to a special year-end Salt and Light radio. We're playing some of our favorite interviews from the last year. I'm Pedro Guevara Man, and here is another one of my most notable opening commentaries on contraception and global warming. Jonathan Porritt, who chairs the British government's Sustainable Development Commission, says that couples who have more than two children are being irresponsible by creating an unbearable burden on the environment. He says that curbing population growth through contraception and abortion must be at the heart of policies to fight global warming. Hey, let's not stop there. Human beings exhale carbon dioxide, which is bad for the planet. So why not just extend euthanasia to all those who are losing their jobs because of the current economic crisis? Makes perfect sense, doesn't it? But you see, this idea that the world is overpopulated is a myth. The world is not overpopulated. If you don't believe me, take a drive through northern Saskatchewan. The problem with the world is that those of us who have too much hoard, waste, and do not share. The good news is that those who think like Jonathan Porritt are not having children and so their ideas will die with them. And those of us who believe in life and family will live on. Except maybe not in northern Saskatchewan. It's too cold there. I'm Pedro Guevara Man and this is Salt and Light Radio. That was an opening commentary from February 2009. Let's jump to September when I spoke to Rebecca Kiesling. A few years ago, I had the pleasure of listening to a pro-life speaker who really made me think about our ideas about abortion very differently. And I'm very happy to welcome to Salt and Light Radio pro-life, pro-adoption speaker and attorney, Rebecca Kiesling, who was conceived when her mother was raped. Welcome to Salt and Light Radio, Rebecca. Thank you. So, t tell us about the circumstances of your conception. Well, I learned about these details when I was 19, mm -hmm. and my birth mother um, was abducted. She was just heading to the grocery store down the street from her home, and a serial rapist um, jumped out of the bushes and dragged her to a field. And then she basically described for me how she was brutally raped, and that's how I was conceived. So this is, this is not the most usual uh, date rape uh, circumstance. This was no, a, a, I mean, a horrible experience. I, I guess what some would say, this was a worst-case scenario. Worst-case scenario. And, and uh, what some people say also is that it's actually quite unusual to become pregnant after a, a, a situation like that. Is that correct? Or I know it I've is, though there are many of us <laughs> alive today. Yes. Because, or... The, who were conceived through rape? Because that's not very common. I mean, we don't hear. I think you were the first person that I had heard um, who who openly spoke about their conception because of well, rape. Now on my website, I actually have a page dedicated to stories of people who were conceived in rape and women who became pregnant out of rape. Yes. Along with some of the statistical information. Right. And it, it is a lot more common than you think. Yeah, I guess it's not the kind of thing that people go around sharing with, uh, with just anybody. How yeah. do you feel? How do you feel when you hear people say that abortion should be uh, legal I only in cases of rape or incest? You know, that seems to be like the argument: only in oh. cases of rape or incest. It hurts. <laughs> it really hurts. I mean, that is my life that people just so flippantly talk about. 
And I know that people think that that is the compassionate position to take, but it's really pretty cold-hearted from my perspective because, again, that's my life that they're talking about. Right, so you, you would see that as a, as a death sentence. Oh, yeah. I mean, my birth mother went to two back-alley abortionists, and I was almost aborted. Mm-hmm. And really the only reason I'm alive today is because of pro-life advocates who, without even knowing of my existence, recognized that mine was a life worth saving. And they made sure abortion was illegal in Michigan at that time, even in cases of rape. And how do you... I mean, I, I think it's easier, for, it's easier for you to have this conversation because it's such a personal thing for you. But someone like me, and I'm a guy, and I always, always feel like, like men, men are not given permission to have an opinion about abortion. So what you, is know, so you know what I hear from college students is that they ask me, what do I say? You know, these, these girls on campus will say, well, exactly. you know, you don't have a womb, you'll never be pregnant, so you have no say. Exactly. And I tell them, you know, your response would, would be, you were never targeted for abortion, so you have no say. I mean, right. you know, I was targeted for abortion, and there were all, there's all these other people who are targeted for abortion, and they don't have anybody speaking for them. So when someone says to me, well, I think abortion should be illegal except in cases of rape, think of the poor woman who was raped, what should I respond? Other than saying, I'd like you to talk to my friend Rebecca, <laughs> <laughs> what can I say to those people? Well, first of all, you know, acknowledge that I, un- I understand you want to be a person of compassion, and you think that that is the compassionate position to take. But, you know, it's really not at all compassionate for people who are conceived in rape. I mean, to say that their life was garbage, that they weren't worthy of living, that their life was not worthy of protection. And, when they, and when they say, well, that, that, that child, you know, it, it's just a, uh, a bunch of cells, they wouldn't even know whether they were alive or not, then what do we respond to that? Well, we do know that they're alive. I mean, even in fertility clinics, I learned this when I had the frozen embryo case in Michigan, you know, even at one cell, the doctors acknowledge that they are living human beings. Mm-hmm. They were able to go in a day after they, you know, introduced the egg and the sperm. They went in to see how many had been created, mm-hmm. and they can't create it. It's still created by God, but they went to see how many embryos were created, and then they had to ascertain which ones were alive and which ones were dead. Uh-huh. I mean, they can literally tell which embryos are living and which are dead. They right. are living human beings. So the medical profession acknowledges that, that uh, after conception there is life and it's a human life yeah they're not inanimate objects and they're not dead no they're living and they are human no yeah just a note for anyone who might be joining the program now you're listening to salt and light radio i'm pedro guevara man and we're speaking with rebecca kiesling she's a pro-life pro-adoption speaker um who was conceived uh during rape now rebecca Um, and and let me add one more thing about the compassion yeah is that it's not even compassionate for the woman all of the major research that's been done shows that the women who give birth, whether they place for adoption or parent, are far more better off. They express that there was something very healing of having something beautiful come out of something very awful. But the ones who have the abortion are far worse off. They have a higher murder rate because the abortion helps perpetuate abusive relationships, higher yeah. rate of suicide drug overdose, domestic violence, divorce, broken relationships, depression, suicide, and on and on. Yeah. But people don't do the research. They just assume. 
Yes. That she would be better off. Yeah. Well, I wanted to, to ask you about that exactly, and I'm sure that you and your birth mother had spoken about this. Yeah. And when I've heard you tell your story, you talk about how being conceived in rape is actually a story of hope. Why is that? Mm. Well, <laughs> I suppose if I can overcome learning that I was conceived in rape, then uh, other people can realize their value. I mean, speaking to, uh, at high school assemblies, speaking to students pretty regularly, one thing I, I hear from students is that they feel worthless for mm-hmm. a variety of reasons because of the way they look or because of their grades or they don't excel in sports. They're just not meeting the success model that's set up by our society. Right. Or their parents have put them down and other people have put them down and they feel worthless. Right. And so I am able to explain to them that what I learned, that my value is not based upon those things Mm -hmm. and that I'm not worthless I'm priceless, (laughs) and so are you. Yes, based on the fact that we're created by God, we're children of God, we're... And that, that, you know what, Jesus paid an infinite price for our lives, didn't he? Yes, he did. The price has already been paid. Now, Rebecca, you're going to be here in Canada, uh, in a couple places, in Kitchener for the kickoff to the 40 Days for Life campaign in Kitchener and in Toronto. Can you tell us a little bit of, uh, about the 40 Days for Life event? Uh, it's something that our listeners are familiar with, but maybe a, a reminder. Uh, mm-hmm. What is the event and, and what, what's its signi- significance? Well, the 40 Days actually commences on September 23rd. So I'll be speaking at a kickoff rally on the 21st in Kitchener and the 22nd in Toronto. And it is... Um, well, there's one location that's 24 hours, and there's also another location that's not. But it's it's intended to be complete coverage at abortion clinics, um, prayer and fasting, a quiet vigil, and um, you know just to take a stand. And it is going on worldwide. Yes. There's a 40daysforlife.com, or is it dot org? Oh, I think it's I dot, think it's com, dot com. Yes. Yes, and then you can then find that the city's respective city. So if you are uh, in Kitchener or in Toronto or in it, there's actually seven locations across Canada, Montreal, Fredericton, Winnipeg, and others, and and all throughout the states as well. You can just go to the website, 40daysforlife.com, and find the city. Um, If you're interested in... uh, If you're in Kitchener or or in Toronto and are interested in listening to Rebecca speak, she will be in Kitchener at the kickoff on the 21st. uh, So that's on Monday. And then... The in Toronto on the 22nd, the Tuesday. Um, uh, the event in Toronto is at 7 p.m. at the Canadian Christian College, and that's the and kickoff rally. Sorry, go ahead. And I'll also be at University of Toronto yes. Wednesday night and at University of Waterloo Thursday night. Yeah, so those are two events that are sponsored by the National Campus uh, Life Network, uh, NCLN, and you can get more information about those, Rebecca, at the NCLN website. Um, just people can do a, a, an internet search for NCLN National Campus Life Network in Canada and, and to get more information about that. Rebecca, that's all the time we have. But thank you so much for uh, coming on the show and, and sharing a little bit of your story with us. You know, thanks for defending my life. <laughs> <laughs> no problem. That's, uh, that's, uh, that's something that we are uh, happy to do. Um, and uh, 
so we've we've been hearing from Rebecca Kiesling. She's a pro-life, pro-adoption speaker. She's an attorney. She's a, a mother of uh, uh, five children. Is it Rebecca? Yes. Um, and a couple of them are adopted. So uh, th- there's there's a walking the talk right there. Um, if you want to find out more about Rebecca and her story, you can also go to her website, RebeccaKiesling.com. That's Rebecca with two C's, Kiesling, K-I-E-S-S-L-I-N-G.com. But a link to that website is also posted on our website, saltandlighttv.org. Once again, Rebecca, thank you so much for being with us. Okay, thank you so much, Pedro. That was a conversation I had with pro-life, pro-adoption advocate Rebecca Kiesling, who was conceived by rape. Another favorite conversation I had was with Mark Mallett, again from the second show we did. President Obama had just been installed, and Mark, who is a singer-songwriter, had posted a video on YouTube after his baby was born about how President Obama supported no restrictions for abortions. Here is my conversation with Mark Mallett from the January 31st edition of Salt and Light Radio. Mark Mallett started out in television. He was a reporter, host, and producer, and then had a profound sense that God wanted him out of that and into something a little bit more risky. That was almost 10 years ago. Since then, Mark has been touring extensively throughout North America and abroad, giving parish missions, nights of adoration, concerts, and speaking, and ministering at retreats, conferences, and Catholic schools. Last year, he had the privilege of singing at the Vatican and presenting his music to Pope Benedict XVI. He will join me shortly. Here is his song, Faustina's Song, from his Divine Mercy Chaplet album.
Faustina's song. Before the United States election, Mark put a video on YouTube where he held his 10-day-old son Bradley, expressing his concern about Catholics voting for President Obama. He was also a speaker at the Humanae Vitae conference, which took place recently in Toronto. Mark now joins me on the phone from his home in Bruno, Saskatchewan. Hello, Mark. Hello, Pedro. Okay, Mark, just before we, uh, we go on, congratulations on the birth of your new little one, Bradley Gabriel. Yeah, thank you. This is number eight for us. It's number eight. Number eight in the baby countdown. Well, we had three girls, and then this is our fifth boy. That's great. That's great. It's, I'm, I'm always impressed by you and Leah. Um, that's, that's all very good. And you're still doing your music and, and evangelizing, and, and that's, you're able to feed all, all those kids. By the grace of God, yeah, it's, I think that's, uh, that's a miracle in itself that uh, we're able to do full-time ministry the past eight years and uh, still do what we're doing, still able to, to do this ministry. So, you know, and the Lord has really provided, but, uh, you know, we, He always leaves us in a position where we have to trust in Him constantly, and, and uh, that's been hard for me, but, um, but I'm learning that uh, our Father really does take care of us. So that, that, that's, <laughs> that's so true. And, and uh, um, Mark, we were just talking in the program uh, about the, the recent U.S. elections and all that, and I know that you were quite involved. There was a, a video on YouTube that was uh, floating around uh, with you and Bradley, actually. Um, why was it important for you to send out that message? Well, you know, what, um, well, often what happens down in America really does affect Canada, but... Nonetheless, I think you know what we can we can share from here in Canada is that when you you erase the abortion laws uh, completely, uh, your country moves closer and closer to infanticide. And I mean, really, really, it is infanticide in the womb. But yeah, um, yeah, I did this video just to basically you know, warn the Americans: look, if you're going to elect a president like uh, Obama, 
you are going to have a president who's going to remove all your abortion laws. And uh, I was holding my baby during the video and saying, Mm -hmm. you know, here in Canada, 11 days ago, my baby was born 10 days ago, but 11 days ago, it was it was legal to abort him. Yeah. And this will come to your country, too, if you elect Obama. And you can't do that, particularly as a Catholic. In good conscience, you cannot vote for a president who is pro-abortion. And this this guy down there is... uh, is pro-abortion is it, as pro-abortion as it gets, right. and I mean I'm delighted. I'm delighted for the especially for the Black Americans. That, yeah, you know I think it's a tremendous healing for their country. But what a terrible irony it is that mm-hmm. while this man is kind of a symbol of of a, the end of a of a bad era of human rights, he's now going to usher in an even more more horrific era of human rights violations than that of the unborn. Right. It's interesting to me that no matter how uh it seems that the secular media and politicians, and everybody seems, at least here in Canada, try to ignore the the abortion issue, the, the euthanasia question. Um, it seems to be coming out no matter what, here and there and everywhere. And in particular, uh, I was very excited with the Humana Vitae conference uh, that took place in Toronto. For, for, for our listeners who were not able to uh, participate in the conference or who didn't know about it, can you uh, maybe share with us a little bit about what your testimony was and why it was important for you to participate in that conference? Well, I'll, I think it's important because um, I personally believe Humani Vitae was uh, not just a, another teaching from the Church, uh, another document on human sexuality. I believe it, it is a milestone in the history of the world. I, and this sounds dramatic, but I believe that what Pope Paul VI gave us was a test from the Lord. Mm-hmm. And Humani Vitae, was a, our response to it, I think, is is basically determining where the future of our country, where the future of our world is going. Um, the embrace of Humanae Vitae was to embrace a culture of life. To reject it, as it mostly has been, has been to embrace a culture of death. And, you know, I believe we're, we're living in extraordinary times since that. And that was 40 years ago Humanae mm-hmm. Vitae came out. Yeah. And uh, so, you know, you, rings of the, uh, you think of the office, you know, God said to the Israelites, you wandered in the desert for 40 years, yeah. you know, and, and we've been wandering in that desert. And, you know, I think the Lord's going to provide a great moment of mercy, and, and I think uh, to wake us up. Um, but what, what I'm praying, and I think what I'm hoping, is that this wake-up call doesn't come as a result of sowing what we have been uh, reaping, mm. sorry, what we've been sowing for the last 40 years right. in a culture of death. Well, it's interesting that sometimes that's about how long it takes, I mean, for for something as profound as Humana Vitae to really t- kind of seep down and take root. Um, do you have a sense, I mean, I, I, I think of pro-life uh, Catholics, at least here in Canada, evangelizing people with the pro-life message, and, and you're almost at the top of the list there for me. But, and not that your, your, uh, your mission or your vision in terms of what you do for a living ha- has changed since you started doing ministry, but do you find that you have a more... Uh, maybe a uh, fine focus looking at this whole issue of life and the dignity of life now than you did maybe 10 years ago? Yeah, I think, I think so, Pedro. And I think the reason is, is precisely what I'm saying is, is that I think the Lord has been patient with us. I think he has been merciful. But I think what the Lord is saying now is, you know, you, this is a holocaust of, of uh, major proportions. Perhaps there's no other holocaust in the world. It's the most vulnerable. It's in the womb. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's been a relatively short time. And I think what the Lord is saying is, my my people, my children, you, you, you have to defend 
you know, whatsoever you do to the least of my brothers, so you do unto me. I mean, so we're we're really in some ways re-crucifying the Lord all over again in the womb. Mm. And I think the Lord is saying the time is up. And so I think there's been an urgency that many of us are feeling throughout all of the world who are, are in tune with what God is saying in the Holy Spirit. And this this just comes through prayer and listening to the Lord and being humble before Him. And, and, and the Lord will speak and He'll say, look, this is the issue. This is the big issue. How can... I mean, it's life. Yeah. And uh, if, if life isn't the most central issue in our world today, in the Church today, in our elections today, then what, what is? Is it the economy? Is it our lifestyles? I mean, this is how we're voting today in Canada and the U.S., and, yeah. and uh, this is tragic. And, uh, you know, I really fear the words of Mother Teresa, which she said, you know, the fruit of abortion is nuclear war. It's well, a, God forbid yeah. this ever happen, but we are foolish if we think we can continue to sow in, in death and not reap it. Yeah, that's true. And a lot of people, I mean, a lot of people just don't understand that statement from Mother Teresa. It's it's, uh, it's something to uh, to think about. Last time you and I spoke, you were here in the, in our studio for Catholic Focus, and you told me that you had been thinking about, or that praying, and as God was putting in your heart to move into the a new direction, a television direction. Is that uh, that's something that's coming coming together, isn't it? It is, and. Uh you know, the name, I mean, what we're talking about right now is, is very difficult, and it's even dark, but um, but that's not the final word. The final word is hope, and so yeah. the name of our show is called Embracing Hope. Uh-huh. And, you know, Pope John Paul spoke about humanity crossing the threshold of hope. He spoke about a new springtime. Well, really what we're talking about, Pedro, is we're now heading into the dead of winter for this era. Yeah. And But after this era... After this winter comes a springtime, and a time, I think, of, of great healing and renewal for the earth. I think when the Church will be simplified, it'll be uh, smaller, it'll be purified. Um, Pope Benedict spoke about this uh, many, many years ago, and I, I think that's where we're headed. And we want people to know there's hope, that death is not the final word. Uh, Christ is the final word. Jesus is the final word. And Jesus is going—he is the King, and he's won the victory over death. And now it's just a matter of that victory being applied uh, more and more here on Earth, uh, to the point, I think, where the Eucharist will become the center of, uh, of the entire world. Um, and I think that's a time that's coming. I think it's a time that our Blessed Mother's been appearing and preparing us for, for two centuries. And uh, I think there's much hope. And we still have to speak the truth and, and stand up for the unborn and for all injustices today. But um, there is hope coming, and uh, we need to keep our eyes fixed on that hope. So um, Embracing Hope is going to be uh, an online television program that you're producing. That's right. That's right. And I'll have a co-host with me, a missionary from Western Canada. Okay. And we're going to speak about these current issues. We're going to uh, tackle these things head on, because people know there's great changes happening in our world today. And we're going to talk about these things, but also in the context of hope, in the context of our Catholic faith, and how to respond in these times. Um, so it's a uh, thoroughly orthodox and faithful, repeating the words of our Holy Fathers and the Catechism. and It's kind of a contemporary show to keep Catholics rooted in our times as, as they watch the headlines unfold before them. That's very, very exciting. So if people want to learn more or if, if they want to watch the show when it's ready, do they go to your website? We're going to have a website coming up called Embracing TV. Uh, okay. Sorry, embracinghope.tv. Okay. Embracinghope.tv. Um, my other website, markmallet.com, will have information as well. Thank you so much for that, Mark, and for all that you do. Thank you, Pedro.
That's all the time we have, and you would like to know that Mark has been producing Embracing Hope. Just go to embracinghope.tv for his webcast. We had so many more clips to play, and so next week, we're going to continue playing our favorite interviews of 2009. Hope you had a happy new year, and talk to you again next week. I'm Pedro Guevara Man, and this has been a special Salt and Light Radio.